Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in Almighty God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I welcome you back to Season 5 of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are in the midst of a study on weathering the storm with Peter. Now, today we are recording Episode 13, and I'm excited to announce that we are starting a new series. And so over the next several episodes, we're going to be looking at some of the writings of Peter. Now that we've spent some time with the background of the author, we know who we're talking about. We know his experiences, his ups and downs. Now we want to go to what he wrote about. Of course, Peter penned two epistles, first and second Peter. He was inspired of God, of course, to write these. But it's so interesting the way that the Holy Spirit used Peter's background to bring out these things that certainly are applicable to us today. And so with me today and, and over the next several episodes is my good friend Jonathan Jenkins. And both of us are uh, really excited about diving into First and Second Peter and want to kind of give you an, an outline of what we're going to be doing. This is kind of our goal, is we want to pick three of our favorite passages from the book of First Peter, and we're going to discuss that in this episode. This is kind of part one. In our next episode, we'll do the same format, but we're going to pick three different passages. And of course, some of these passages might overlap. We might be picking the same one. Uh, but we want to share with all of you why these passages are helpful to us, especially in the context of weathering the storm, in hopes that it can help you as well. So again, our goal is to go through the book of First Peter in this episode and next, and then Lord willing, in episodes 15 and 16, we'll be going to the book of Second Peter. And so over the next four episodes, it's going to be a lot of scripture, but hopefully you can highlight, underline, write these down. And you can have a, a whole slew of passages from First and Second Peter that can help you weather the storm. Jonathan, thank you for being with me today, brother. Hey, man, man, it's awesome. It's a blessing. Yes, sir. We're we're excited, man. I know. Uh, I know that this is a book that. Well, both of these books we've been teaching at Georgia Christian School, and so we've been studying this a little bit, and it just just felt natural to flow into this study because we've spent so much time talking about Peter. Now let's think about what he wrote about. Uh, and so I want to begin with a theme of first Peter. The theme of first Peter is hope. And of course, biblical hope is desire plus expectation. And Peter brings that out. He's writing to Christians who are scattered because of persecution. We learn that first Peter one, one. And so Peter is writing to an audience that needs to know that they can have hope that, that they can keep going and pushing through. And really think about uh, the, the title of this, this show the title of this podcast, he wants to help them weather the storm. And so keep that thought in mind as we go through these these passages. So Jonathan, I'm going to start with with uh, my probably my favorite passage, not just the first Peter, but the whole New Testament. And that's first Peter one, three through five. I want to read this and then just kind of share a thought uh, with you, and with our audience. And then we're going to just, like I said, rotate through these and flow together and hopefully provide some some good passages for our listeners. First Peter one, three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's that's a whole gospel meeting right there, isn't it? Amen. (laughs) That's a packed passage. But when we think about how this passage can help us weather the storm, notice that he says you have a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a false hope. 
It's a living hope. And what is it through? What, what is the whole the basis of this hope? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It reminds us of 1 Corinthians 15. You know, if Christ be not risen, your faith is in vain. But because he has risen from the dead, look at what we have. And so it's an inheritance that is incorruptible. That means nothing is going to uh, cause it to decay. It is undefiled, which means it's pure. It's perfect. It does not fade away, which means it's permanent. And then I love this last one, reserved in heaven for you. It's personal. This is an inheritance that every child of God who has been redeemed, begotten again to a living hope, every child of God has this inheritance awaiting them. So yes, I might be going through a very difficult time, a difficult storm, but when I read 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, I know what's awaiting me. I know I have this inheritance that nobody can take away. And of course, Jesus echoes this to lay up treasures in heaven where nothing's going to cause it to decay. Thieves can't come in and steal it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So to our listeners, if you're weathering the storm and you're going through a difficult time as a child of God, remember 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Jonathan, what you got? Well, I was just looking at this as you were reading it and and gathering all those thoughts to what you have to come away with as well as knowing that this was all according to his great mercy, mm. his compassion. That's right. The whole reason that we have what we have is because of the love of God and the love that he has for us. We can't forget the fact that his compassion is the whole reason that we have a hope That's right. that we have in heaven. And, you know, you're talking about the hope that we have. Uh, that, that Peter was wanting to remind them of. He wanted to let them know, hey, look, it was according to his compassion that he had that, that gives you the hope that you have. That's right. And the That's hope good. that we have is that hope of heaven, That's that right. imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept uh, that promise kept in heaven for us. Amen. It's a great, great response there. And again, that's just a such a slam-packed passage that's so encouraging. Uh, to somebody who's who's going through a, a tough time. And again, Peter's audience, they were. Yeah. We might be facing different kinds of persecution, different kinds of storms, but we can certainly apply that uh, to get us through some do- tough times. What's your first verse uh, if you think about one of your favorite passages from First Peter? If I think about one of my favorite, um, I had written down here, and it's, it's toward the end of the chapter. Um, so I, I apologize if I apologize if I'm jumping over a thought or so <laughs> no, that's of good. yours, but in, in verse 22, you know, after he gives them this hope and he talks about this in verse 20, he starts and he says, he is, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in Christ, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in, in God. Mm. Then he goes on this. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, going back to what he was talking about before, but of an imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. He gives this parable. He says, for all flesh is grass and all, uh, this little metaphor here, all flesh is like grass and it's glory of the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. He brings them back to the hope that they have in the word of God. And in the end of it, in verse 25, it says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. Don't mm-hmm. forget to 
love one another and then put your hope in the Lord That's right. and, and in his word. His word is what gives us confidence. And it's also what gives us instruction on how to love those who are sometimes not so lovable. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are times uh, you and I know both, uh, we, we both understand that dealing working with people. You work with all different kinds of personalities. And sometimes those personalities are not going to always mesh exactly with your interests or, right. or the way that you would do things. And so we sometimes have to, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It is a challenge, but that was a challenge that was uh, pressed against those first century Christians to love one another. And it's a challenge for us 2000 years later to also have uh, this command to love each other. Right. The best way that we possibly can. And he says to do this from a pure heart. Yeah. The cool part about that is, is how do we become pure? Mm. How do we get how, how do we get to that pure state? We have to purify ourselves through the word of God. Right. We pour that pure word in. Then, of course, what we become is a reflection of that pure word. The more that we pour in, the more we look like that example of his son. So I'm going to be able to love more and 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 show that compassion that God showed toward me right. in a more effective way by pouring in the Word of God. That's great. And and to your point, that is a storm that some folks face. It's like, I'm a Christian now, but have you really changed to the point where, man, it's, it's evident by the way that I love others? Yeah. And that can be difficult. But this passage reminds us, you were made pure through the obedience to the gospel, but look at the identifying mark of a Christian, like you pointed out, is to love one another with a pure heart fervently and to be more like Jesus. That's a great text uh, to bring out for sure. Now, the second one I had was 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. And I know we're kind of backtracking it, and that's fine. I think it's good to kind of float around in the, in the text. But thinking about weather and storm, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, Peter says, In this, speaking of in this, the suffering that you're going through, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. We could say you have weathered many storms, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by a fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That gives me a lot of confidence when I go through a storm because the Bible says it's for a little while. And to us, it may seem like it's never going to end. But in view of eternity, in view of that incorruptible, undefiled inheritance we have, it is just a little while. Uh, Paul would say it's but for a moment there in 2 Corinthians 4. So he says, even if you've gone through and you've been grieved by all these trials, your faith is getting stronger. In other words, as you win one battle, your faith is stronger for the next one. Yeah. As you weather one storm, another one's on the horizon. But as it comes, you have more confidence to say, I, I know that God has been with me through this. He strengthened me through this. And my faith and my hope are in God. We just read that a moment ago. That's where your, your trust is. And so even though your faith is tested by fire, what's that doing? It's refining it. It's strengthening it. And it may be found to praise, honor, and glory. When? At the revelation of Jesus. When Jesus comes back, whatever you went through, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Well, right? James even said the same thing yeah. in, in James 1. Right. Count it all joy when you fall into these trials and, and these, these issues. Why? Because the trying of your faith is going to work endurance. You're going to be able to be better and stronger because of the things that you go through. So just keep looking up. <laughs> Amen. That's right.
Absolutely. So that's that's a passage for our, our listeners to remember. First Peter one, six through seven. What's your uh, second passage that comes to mind? It's going to be moving into chapter two. Okay. Okay. Um, I have underlined here in verses 13 down through 17. I'm just talking about the submission to authority mm-hmm. and discussing how it's important for us to, while we're, it, I, I know it's, it's not always, it's not always easy for us to do things that we don't want to do. Yeah. Um, I remember whenever, and I'm, I'm kind of going to, I'll read the text in just a minute, but I want to give, I want to paint this picture. I remember when you and I were studying together, working at Toyo, mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of laugh about it because I didn't think it was that sincere or that serious of an issue, but we were talking about abiding by the laws of the land and making sure that if that sign says 55, you do the very best that you can do to mm-hmm. stay at that 55 mark. Why? Because that's what they expect. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes submitting to authority is even, when nobody else is looking, right. you're only on, you're the only one on that highway. Still, the sign still says 55, mm-hmm. you know, submitting to authority is one of those things that we learn as Christians to, um, submission is, is a huge thing. Yeah, you know, when I learn to submit, then I'm better going to learn how to serve. There you go. I'm better going to learn how to be molded by that one who I'm submitting to. Right. And, and of course he gives this, um, he alludes to submitting to human institution. Like he says, be subject for the Lord's sake mm. to every human institution. This is for the Lord. I'm doing this so that others may be able to see that I respect authority. Right. Um, again, the reason I laugh and I, I kind of uh, chuckled about the fact that I was like, man, it's just, you're the only one on the highway. Why are you driving 55? Well, you're driving 55 to be that example when, Nobody's watching. You're driving 55 to do that for the Lord's sake. Because people, the the one time you think nobody's going to be looking, they are. Mm -hmm. The one time you think that you're going to be able to do something that you're not supposed to be doing, when you know you're not supposed to be doing it, that's whenever things are going to go bad. People are going to be, you know, somebody's going to come out and say, I saw what you did. Mm -hmm. You know, we do this for the Lord's sake. Uh, The life that we live in front of others is the example that we're putting out there of what a Christian is supposed to be like. Right. So if I'm a Christian, I call myself a Christian, then I better be doing, uh, I better be able to follow some simple rules like driving 55 mile an hour <laughs> when the speed limit says 55 mile an hour. I better be able to, uh, I guess, put myself aside uh, long enough to respect the authority right. around me. Cool. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. But he says that, he says, for this is the will of God, verse 15, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. People are going to try their best to put to shame what you've got going on. Right. If you're trying to live for the Lord, they're, they're the people who are against you. Uh, we talked about criticism just a few episodes ago. Right. Those who are constructive are, are doing it for your benefit. Those who are destructive are doing it uh, to see you fail. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people in your life that want to see you fall. So how do I do this? Those foolish people will be put to silence when they don't have any blame to put on me. That's right. No merit. (laughs) Exactly. If I do these simple things that I don't necessarily want to do, or or I might even think are kind of crazy and silly, Mm -hmm. if I just go ahead and do it, guess what's going to happen? God's going to be glorified because of it. That's right. 
Uh, he sure will. And that is a storm that a lot of folks face because, like you said, you have to just kind of get over yourself a little bit. And that's not easy to do. But you say, you know what? Why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing it because God is watching and I want to glorify and honor him. And if you do that and that's your main motivation, then like you said, others will see that and hopefully be encouraged by it. And that may very well be a storm that somebody's facing right now. Right. Submission to government, uh, not agreeing with the one who's in office, submitting to the laws of the land in, in any state. Why do you do that? Well, Peter said you, you submit yourself for the Lord's sake, like you brought out. And Paul would bring out, of course, in Romans 13, uh, these people that are in those positions were appointed by God. And by you doing that, being the good citizen, just being a Christian, is going to take care of a lot of those, those issues. And we do it. it. It ain't about us. Exactly. You know, and I said, I, I know I said that with like poor grammar, but it ain't about us. <laughs> it really, ain't. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, exactly. It, it's when we get the idea, when we kind of come across, like when we finally figure it out that this life that we live is definitely 100% for the Lord. Right. Then it's easy for me to drive 55 mile an hour. It's easy for me to follow these simple instructions. It doesn't become some hard task. When I'm living for myself, of course, I'm going to be kind of aggravated at the fact that why do I have to do these little things, these tedious, uh, you know, assignments? Well, because that's what's expected of us. Right. Why do I have to pay my taxes? Because that's what's expected of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, nobody mm-hmm. likes to do that. But no. guess what? We do it because that's what it's, it's expected. Right. We live our lives to a higher standard <clears throat> now because we're Christians. Yep. In First John 5, 3, his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because we're doing it out of a pure heart. and We know that this is what God desires for us. And he always knows what's best for us. That's right. Better than we think. <laughs> we know yeah, what's he knows best better, for us. He knows better for me than I do. There you go. Amen <clears throat> to that. Well, that's, that's a great text for sure. And uh, I'm going to go to my third and final one, and then we'll turn it over to you and close out our episode today. The final, and, and again, to our, to our audience, this has been very difficult because there's so many awesome passages in First Peter. We encourage you to read the entire book of First Peter and the entire book of Second Peter. Uh, but these are just some highlighted passages that can help us weather the storm. This is the third and final one I have for today's episode, and that's First Peter one thirteen through seventeen. Now I, I've preached this text several times, and you can preach the same text in, in several different ways. But here's what Peter said to these Christians: He's reminded them of this inheritance they have, reminded them of these trials and what it can produce. And he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. If you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here, and fear. I love adding that verse 17, the way you conduct yourself. And there are three small phrases that we can bring out from this text that can help us when we are striving to weather the storm as Christians. Number one, be sober. Be sober. He's going to say that again, of course, in First Peter chapter 5, right? When it comes to our enemy, be sober, be vigilant. The idea of being sober is, of course, free from intoxication, not allowing anything to cloud the mind. But it also means to be serious and to be on guard. I'm a Christian now. And even though this trial is very difficult and this storm is very tough for me to get through, 
my mindset is I am I am focused. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, basically. And that's the idea of being sober-minded. The second one is be obedient. So be sober, number one. Number two, be obedient. As obedient children. How do I do that? I don't go back to who I used to be. I'm obedient in every way possible, doing what God would have me to do. So if I am sober-minded and I'm obedient, I'm submitting to whatever God says, here's the third one, be holy. Be sober, be obedient, and be holy. If you do those three things, whatever storm life throws your way, you'll be able to get through it. Why? Because God said, I'm holy, so you be holy. You do the things that will make you more like me. Isn't that what Jesus said? Come unto me, learn of me, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Let's be more like Jesus. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. First Corinthians 11, 1. So as obedient children, be sober, be obedient, be holy, and maintain those qualities, those attributes, that whatever storm comes your way, you can, you can know this is who I really am. And because God is with me, I can get through it. You'll hear me kind of allude back to Hebrews 12 quite a bit, but I just can't help but see that Look, we've got, he says, we're, we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. So what do we got to do? We got to lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets us and run with patience the race that's set before us, right. looking unto Jesus. Yeah. We've got a race that needs to be run. We've got a way that we can do that. And just like you said, uh, those, those three steps will help us to be able to run that race more effectively. And right. we do it while looking to the one who did it for there you mm-hmm. go. Who did it first? Blaze the trail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's now fun. we're going to turn to you. For This is your your last one. I know it's tough to pick a, a third and final one, but. Man, I tell you. And, you know, I was I was thinking, where where can I go? But we're going to have to go back to the warehouse again. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, like I said, a lot of this, uh, bouncing ideas off of each other is going to really bring up some memories. And and one of oh, the yeah. things that I was looking at in First Peter uh, was. Chapter three, verse twenty-one. Yeah, um, that was the sobering verse. <laughs> that was that verse where I realized I needed to be more serious about my walk with the Lord. Um, here's the thing: when you met me, when you and I met, it, it was no secret that I wanted to honor God in my life. Right, I did. Right. I wanted to. I just didn't know how. And so, after we studied for a while, we studied uh, a little over a year and a half, and we would study one verse at a time. You would just simply just show me, hey, look, look at this verse, look at the context, and um, ask yourself what this means. And, you know, look at look at it. What is that saying? And it was plain and blatant right there in front of me in black and white what it meant, what it was saying. And for me to try to argue with it was kind of crazy. Well, we got to that day where you kind of brought up First Peter three twenty one. You took me over there to it, and. Uh, I never, I, I remember like distinctly the thoughts that were going through my head when I was walking back to my forklift after we had just got done talking about it. It blatantly says baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you, not a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I couldn't argue anymore with the essential part of baptism in salvation. Right. Um, you know, like I said, you and I had several conversations and um, I, I believed myself to be <clears throat> a Christian for a long time until I had seen 
this verse. Understanding first and foremost with the the verses that you brought to my attention before this were kind of showing me what baptism did. Mm-hmm. It was for the remission of sins. And then you kind of just said, all right, well, let's go over here. Right. And let's see what this does. What does baptism do? And 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 no matter the argument that I might have had after looking at First Peter three twenty one, it was kind of okay. If I argue with this, I'm arguing with God. Yeah. You know, if I argue with this, if I put this, so weathering the storm of yours, uh, you know, knowing where you stand with God. I wanted to bring this up because sometimes people will believe themselves to be 100% okay. Because why? Because they feel it in their heart Mm -hmm. because they know that they, they know how they feel about God. But the question is, how does God feel about us and where we're at? We have to do what we need to do to come in contact with him. And, and those things that are written in scripture, we can't ignore baptism being one of those things. And, And the full context of 21 is found just ahead of that in verse 18 it says for christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to god being put to death okay he might bring us to god remembering that we kind of keep that and and in the back of our mind being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, like the ark was being, um, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, then it carries that thought into verse 21 baptism, just like the ark, mm-hmm. saves us. It now saves us. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, like I said, a very sobering thought for me. But if you're ever, if you've ever found yourself wondering where you stand with God, ask yourself if you've done what God has intended for you to do to become a Christian. And so many times I believed myself, I I can't tell you how many times, Drew, Mm -hmm. I would go to bed praying that God, if God, if I'm not saved, Mm -hmm. God, if I'm not okay, please save my soul right now. And I would pray that prayer over and over and over. And you and I've had that conversation. It was a consistent prayer in my life because I was afraid of dying without Christ until, until I saw what I needed to do and I obeyed it. There you go. It was simple after that. Then I never slept better. I remember the night (laughs) after obeying the gospel. Mm -hmm. This is obeying the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Being baptized for the remission of your sins. After you recognize that he is the one and true God, and then, of course, repent of your sins and confess him as the son of God, guess what? Yeah. It's time to get in the water. There you go. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch, mm-hmm. what hinders me? Can that's we right. go? And I remember having that conversation with you. I was yeah. like, let's go. Let's <laughs> go right now. That's right. I needed to get in there and I needed to get it done. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I recognized the necessity for it. It wasn't just taking a bath. That right. water, yeah. it, you know, and it was no magic water. No. No no fairy dust was sprinkled in the water to make anything happen. Right. What took place was simply obedience. Right. Obeying what God had said for us to do. Right. That's why. And that that that's simply why I know now mm-hmm. right. I've done what I needed to do to become a Christian. And as long as I live faithful, I have this assurance. So if you're weathering the storm of knowing where you stand with God, 
look into the God's word and examine your salvation, whether you be in the faith. That's right. And it goes back to the verse that one of the first verses you shared was first Peter one twenty two. Yeah. You have purified your souls. How? By obeying the truth. How'd you do it? The gospel that was preached, verse yeah. 25. Yeah. And what's that culminating act? Is baptism into Christ, like you said, for remission of sins. And it's that's the element that God specified. But we understand that it's the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins, which that's we right. contact when we're baptized. Yeah, through obedience. Through obedience. That's right. The faithful obedience, that's what God's looking for. And that all of these passages together, can really help us weather the storm. Whether we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus and that power, the revelation of Jesus, we're looking forward to him coming back, the redemption that we have in Jesus, all of those things kind of bring it together. That can keep us going. It doesn't matter what kind of storm comes our way. These are some lessons that, that we've learned from First Peter. Uh, and please join us in our next episode, part two of this study. We've got some more lessons from First Peter. We hope you'll join us. But Jonathan, thank you for being with me today and to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope that these passages will help you as you weather the storm. May God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.